This episode of To The Top Talk is brought to you by Courtyard by Marriott and Residence Inn by Marriott here in the beautiful city of Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Both locations are close to campus. You've got walking distance to restaurants. You've got Starbucks in the lobby. And most of all, they are members of the Eagle Club. So the next time you come to the Hub City and you need some hotel reservations to check out your Golden Eagles, be sure you check out Courtyard by Marriott and the Residence Inn by Marriott. You'll sleep easy. Now let's get to the show. You are listening to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington. Thank you, Jamesy. And Jason Bailey. Bump is uh, pretty good. But the reality is... They don't know, man! I've been looking forward to To The Top Talk. You know, I have that with myself every night. Strike first, strike hard, no mercy. Juice, baby. What's going on? What's happening? How you guys doing? Welcome to To The Top Talk, your weekly break from all of the High Resource 5 propaganda and the mainstream sports media to talk about the University of Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles. I'm your host, Jamie Arrington. Joining me right now, Southern Miss Black Ops tailgate legend, Jason Bailey. Greetings and salutations, man. Had a uh, had an absolute blast this past weekend out at the Rock. We got a great show lined up for you guys. We're going to talk about last week's game against the Jackson State Tigers. We're going to talk about the upcoming game against the Louisiana Monroe Warhawks. And we have a special guest in the mix as well. So it's going to be a great, great, great show for you guys this evening. Right now, we are in the midst of Hurricane slash Tropical Storm Gordon, depending on where you're at and where it hits. So... Thank goodness we caught it in the middle of the week. Hopefully <laughs> everybody makes it through okay and there's no deaths or injuries or property damage. But uh, I'm just glad it's not on a game weekend. I'm just hoping we don't have power out. You know, people were talking about, hey, it's probably only going to be a tropical storm. Don't forget, all it takes is like one tree to go down and I don't have power for two days. <laughs> so uh, I, 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 I can't deal with that anymore. This one's a fast mover too. So mm-hmm. – you know, with those fast moving storms, you're more likely to get the power outages further inland because it's moving so fast. It sustains mm-hmm. those, that wind speed. So it'll be interesting to see how all this plays out. Even if we get this show uploaded tonight, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh, so we talked about the, the storm. Hope everybody makes it through okay. Hope we, hope we see everybody at the rock this weekend taking on the Warhawks. Okay. What we learned this week. I'm going to get it started. What we learned first, no quarterback controversy. That's right. Jack Abraham showed out. I think a lot of fans fell in love with Jack this weekend. He was 21 for 27. That's like a 70-something percentage completion rate for 242 yards and four touchdowns. He had an amazing game and really, I think, exceeded the hype that preceded him. We were all kind of wondering, weren't we? Uh, what are we going to get out of this guy? Uh and, and yeah, he, he could not have come out and, and looked any better. The throws were, were quick. The throws were precise on the money. Um, he showed superb touch specifically to, uh, Quez Watkins several times. And, um, looks like he made the, he made the good reads all night long. And yeah, you're right. He clearly separated himself, uh, from the pack as far as who's going to lead this Golden Eagle team. Also, Marcelo Rodriguez was three for five for eight yards with two interceptions. Also had two carries for nine yards. You know, one of those interceptions was off a tip pass. The other one was just uh, a poorly placed ball in the end zone. 
Not not anything to really get too bent out of shape about. And then Tate Whiteley, one for one, the true freshman, one for one, four carries for 41 yards and one rushing TD. The only rushing TD on the day came from the third-string quarterback and true freshman, Tate Whiteley. So we definitely have some potential uh, in the depth. We just need a little experience to go with that. I'm curious to see moving forward what's going to play out with Jack Abraham as, as you get into some stiffer competition. You know, uh, how's he going to hold up when, when somebody's in the backfield? You know, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think Jackson State got too much pressure the other day. They got a little, but uh, I'm curious to see how he's going to hold up against more sound competition. And a lot of these, a lot of these designed runs that, you know, Shannon Dawson really likes to call for the quarterback. Um, Oh, man, you know, you, you really have to kind of um, just cross your fingers <laughs> and, and, and hope that he stays upright. And that's with any quarterback. I mean, you look around the country, nobody wants to see their starter go down. Um, in our situation, with no single starter ever have taken a, a Division One snap before Saturday, it probably means a, a little bit more to us. And honestly, we have three little bitty guys. You know, Marcella is, is, is taller, but none of them are, I mean, I guess we do have a fourth guy in Steven Anderson. <laughs> if, yeah. If, if it all hits the fan and we really have to go somewhere else and I don't know if you could tackle him, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's good to see him get out there. The, you can believe the hype surrounding Jack and Marcella probably just had a bad day. Um, not ready to throw him to the wolves yet, but, uh, you know, I, yeah, we definitely need to keep Jack. As healthy as possible, I think, uh, in order for this season to go as we all hope it will. All right, moving on. What we learn. Next up, Quez Watkins is a star in the making. Quez, eight receptions for 138 yards and three touchdowns, three punt returns for 103 yards and one touchdown. That was a, that was an 81 yard touchdown punt return. So Quez Watkins, Conference USA Special Teams Player of the Week, Southern Miss Offensive Player of the Week, probably would have been Conference USA Offensive Player of the Week if Mason Fine hadn't gone off for like 400 yards and whatever else he threw in in the North Texas game. But Quez, a guy that we heard a lot about when he was his redshirt freshman, this is a guy that's really showing out in practice. You saw flashes of that last year, but Corey kind of had the spotlight. And, and so far after one game, he appears to be Jack's go-to guy. He really had that wow factor. You know what I'm saying? Um, like, like sometimes there's a guy on the football field that even to the you know casual observer um, is just heads and tails better than the other guy he's playing against. And and Saturday that was Quez. Um, anybody that was watching that game could tell that he was um, he was just on a different level. And um, and yeah, I mean, everybody, everybody that saw that game at the Rock Saturday knew that Quez, um, came to play and, and, you know, he came up limping a couple times, uh, on like non-contact thing, which made me want to just, just fall out of my chair. But, um, yeah, if that guy can stay healthy, uh, who knows what kind of, what, what kind of season he's going to have. He could not have gotten off to a better start. And, you know, as the season goes along, I don't know that, you know, he seems like he's going to be the go-to guy, but they're really going to have to utilize all the weapons that we have out there. And we've got a lot of speed and a lot of different positions. So I don't expect that Quez is going to have as dominating of a game as he had last week every single game. But I know that him, uh, Quez and Jack got together a lot in the offseason. They spent a lot of time together after practice just getting these routes together, getting kind of a rapport with each other. So he seems like he's going to be this year's Corey Robertson, but... 
there's going to be some other guys that are going to contribute as well. Well, at some point, somebody's going to say, you know what? Quez is not going to beat us. And then you're going to have somebody on the other side. Maybe it'll be a Jalen Adams. Maybe it'll be a Jordan Mitchell. Um, maybe it'll be a Tim Jones. Um, but at some point, they're going to just try to shut down Quez, and somebody else is going to benefit from it. And then, you know, what are you going to do after that? All right, let's move on to number three. What we learned this week, number three, John Gilbert delivered on the game day atmosphere improvement. Goodness. Mm-hmm. Goodness gracious, did he. Um, I've been looking forward to that. You know, and and I tell you what, who else delivered? Whoever is selling all these ads. <laughs> <laughs> Everything was sponsored, and we'll take every single dime of it, believe me. Um, I had to get used to the uh, the Southern Bone and Joint first down. You know, I wanted to say to the top. Like like three seconds early, but uh, through the game, I, I finally got used to that. But the video gore, the video board was all it was cracked up to be. There must be like some new software or something that came with those speakers because we just did so much more stuff this year. I know you could hear it, but but it was just more stuff for us to do and um and and things that you can only get from going to the game. So I was glad I was there and glad I got to witness it. And um and man, those speakers sound fantastic. I think, too, part of that was the staff having time to prepare, not coming in right before the season started where there really wasn't time to do anything. You have a, you have, you know, basically since the end of November to get it together for this year. You have time to plan all this stuff out and, and make the improvements as needed. The sound system sounded great. The new videos, uh, were excellent. It was nice just not having recycled videos with the old, even recycled videos that had the old Nike uniforms in them. That's how long ago they were done. Right. Um, the new Adidas uniforms, the black uniforms look great. I thought they looked, they were really, if you haven't seen those, I think most Southern Miss fans have, either if you were at the game, watched it on TV or have seen, pictures on social media or in the press but uh i thought the new unis looked sharp they were black they were clean there there wasn't anything really flashy about them but they looked great out there on the on the field um then the stadium being pressure washed and painted and having the new wraps up it really really added to the environment and the atmosphere on saturday those black uniforms and the logo on the helmet and just the just the meanness that they that they had, I, I think that that intimidation factor is starting to come back towards Southern Miss, and it probably also has to do a little bit with just the absolute thumpers that we have on defense. But I don't know, I don't, I don't know, I don't know how you felt about it, um, but I felt like we had a swagger. I felt some of that at least had to do with all the stuff we're talking about: thirty thousand people in attendance, new video board. Uh, graphics or whatever the sound was awesome the band was pumped um the adidas logo is everywhere and people were ready and we came out fired up and with this just extreme swagger i thought and and um and those uniforms went right along with it all right let's move on to what we need to work on up first the running game. Now, this sounds kind of funny, given that we had 202 yards on the day, but 160 of those came in the second half. And I realized that we didn't show all our cards in game one, and there's really no reason to get be really alarmed. But in the first half, we only had what? What is that? 40, what, 42 yards of offense, of, of rushing in the first half? It, it's... It seemed like we really couldn't get it going. But that being said, we did air the ball out a lot and Jack was pretty precise. And then you have, you have, you know, the turnovers, the, the, the punt return for a touchdown as well as the return fumble. So 
you may not have had as many opportunities for those snaps in the first half. So it's really hard to judge. We didn't we didn't break the playbook wide open, but there wasn't really a anybody that just showed out. I mean, you had some some great runs in the second half from Steven Anderson and Travinsky Mosley. Um, you like to see more out next week out of Tez and uh, you know T Rod. You like to see the, him get the, the his ball hit the hand ah, the ball in his hands in, in open space and see what he can do. So. Uh, there's still a lot of questions about the running game and up front. They really didn't get as much of a push as you would have thought they did. So, but, but Jackson State was stacking the box. So hopefully we can, we can see a little more of that running game this, this coming week. Got to give Jackson State just a little bit of credit, I think. You know, if you're coming into this game and honestly, they didn't have much of a chance, right? If, if you're going to have a chance though, um, you're, you're, you're looking at some unproven wide receivers. Um, some unplayed, I guess, quarterbacks or a super duper deep running back core. <laughs> so you're like, Hey, I tell you what, let's make the kid beat us talking about Jack. And you know, he did, <laughs> but it, it, to their credit, they kind of did slow down the running game and, and, um, but that just allowed Jack to shine. So there's going to be other games this year where it's, where it's completely opposite. I truly believe that cause we have too good of a stable of running backs. Uh, this game just happened to go, you know, Jack and the uh, wide receivers way. All right, next thing we need to work on turnovers. Now we won the turnover battle, but it was four to three. We still had three turnovers. They were they were all you know in the second half. Uh, you had uh, what two interceptions and a fumble. It weren't bad turnovers. I mean we were blowing the game out at this point, but it, you still you know don't want to have those sloppy turnovers, and that's something that we've struggled with the past few seasons. So hopefully. We can get that nipped in the bud. The the secondary, they were ball hawks. I mean, they were all over the place. It was great seeing them break out the turnovers they got, but you still you still don't want to let that margin get too close to where it goes in the negative. Absolutely. I mean, any football coach will tell you that. You win the turnover battle, you you win the game, more than likely. Um, and the end of that game, I don't know how you felt about it. The, the end of the game, uh, the last, I don't know, 12, 15 minutes or so, really kind of felt like a spring game. You know, in, in a lot yeah. of ways. And so, but that's what coaches want to see. That might have been when they were coaching the hardest, honestly. Um, getting a lot of new people on the field and people that we're going to have to have, uh, throughout the year. Um, so yeah, but you, you definitely hit it right on the head as far as our secondary is concerned. Um, that's another thing that we had no idea about. We didn't know about our quarterbacks, but we also didn't know what we had in the secondary besides the hype we were hearing out of practice. And they uh, they answered some of our biggest concerns, I think. All right. Third thing, what we need to work on, the gold out. For this game, all fans were encouraged to wear gold for the game. And, and there were a good number that did, but there were a good number that didn't. They had on black or gray or whatever. And and part of this is is Adidas getting rolled out a little late with their apparel. Um, you know, they have they have more black options, more gray options than gold options right now. But that being said, um, you know, we kind of put this whole thing together, what, 15, 14 years ago, 15 years ago now, <laughs> to everybody wear gold to the games. Every game it's at the blackout. You know, make the sea of gold. Make your presence felt wherever you go. So if you didn't wear gold last week, try to get out, get you some apparel. Go, the, I mean, you, you got to have some gold somewhere in your wardrobe. I have like, when I do laundry, it's like, it's like lights, colors, and then golds. I mean, that's <laughs> just what it is. So. Be sure to try to get some gold this week. Try to try to show out in your gold and and uh, let's see if we can't get that atmosphere going. 
this Saturday at the Rock. Team as a whole, though, I, I thought uh, I think we impressed a lot of people. I think a lot of people didn't know what to think, especially the people that don't necessarily keep up with the program. They weren't really sure how to feel about what the team was going to bring. If you if you keep up with the practice reports and you keep up with what's been going on with the team, you kind of had an idea about what we were going to see. But I think there were a lot of people impressed with a lot of things in that game, and hopefully that translates to some buzz and some more butts in the seats. Yeah, and as far as those people not wearing the gold, I guess we got to start somewhere. And if you want to start with people there and then get some gold on them, that might be the way to go. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like, like at least at least there was a uh, at least there was a um, a person in that seat. So, well. Let's get on to the guest this week. We got a, a, a very special guest this week. You and I, huge fans of this guy. He came by the tailgate the other day, uh, at, right after the, the first, uh, monsoon came through. Uh, but this guy is a golden eagle legend, defensive mainstay in the mid to late nineties. Uh, you know him, you love him. Number 43. If you've got the Liberty Bowl painting, he's right there making the tackle. Please welcome our guest today, Marchant Kenny. That was good to see you the other night. What are your thoughts on the the Southern Miss Jackson State game? Man, it was just a fantastic atmosphere. It was good to see the place near capacity uh, for once. Just a lot of people. Um, you know, the, the halftime show was great. That's for sure. Um, the, the day was great. What was cool about it was uh, my son. He, he's all in the Southern Miss, even though we're surrounded by LSU uh, atmosphere out here in Baton Rouge. And we brought it. We brought his uh, best friend in the world. Is little buddy Jules out there and we got the VIP tour beforehand during the day uh, from the management team, Patrick and that crew shows us around toward campus. And uh, I think basically by the end of the day, my son's best buddy Jules, you know, he knows what SMTT is and he's all about it now. So <laughs> it was just a good, good day, good experience. They look like they were having a big time. Oh yeah. They were blasting. I mean, how many times do you get to watch a Division One A game from the fence, you know, down on the, full, <laughs> right. on the field? I mean, you saw them. We were sitting not far from you. So. Yeah. I mean, they were, except Max wouldn't keep his shoes tied. That was the theme. That's right. That's right. Instead <laughs> of bringing them Velcro shoes next time. <laughs> well, you know, we remember you from your days at Southern Miss, but, you know, if I recall correctly, you you had kind of an interesting childhood. Can you tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up as Marshant Kenny? Yeah, man. So kind of digging deep there. Um, I had an interesting uh, parenting situation, but my dad was part of the mafia. Uh, we're Carlos Marcellus' crew. He was oh, a wow. bounty hunter and, uh, and he really got involved in some bad stuff. Um, and then my mom kind of had issues as well. So just drug addiction and what have you. So when I was eight years old, my mom wanted to kill myself, jumped off the Hugh Pilong Bridge. Um, and so that, that kind of threw the family for a loop, that's for sure. And my dad kind of was still doing his thing, which was in and out with the law, more or less. And uh, he wound up getting shipped off to prison when I was about 10, 11 years old. And uh, he wound up having a heart attack in prison. So I, I hadn't seen him for about a year and a half while he was in there. And so the last time I saw him was in a coffin. And that was pretty devastating for my age. And I was with my grandma at the time. And and she was a bit old to take care of a unruly kid. I, I was kind of, uh, kind of took an attitude against the world. I was kind of got a little bit angry. Um, you know, at the world, you can imagine with everything that's going on right then too. And I guess backtracking too, which I find interesting living out here in Baton Rouge is, is kind of getting the reason why my dad even went to prison. Um, he was a part of that counterfeits thing that Billy Cannon was a part of. So that, that whole, uh, situation. So out here in Baton Rouge, you hear, 
you know, Billy Cannon all the time. Well, he, he kind of takes a different meaning oh. for me when I was growing up. So it's kind of, that was a whole interesting thing there, but just to backtrack a little bit, that story why he went to prison. But, um, so yeah, so I was not doing well in school after he passed away. I failed seventh grade, wasn't playing sports, wasn't doing anything. And, um, this family who had always looked out for me, the Howard family, uh, they stepped in and realized that I, you know, I had a little bit more potential than what I was doing with my life. And so they showed me a program called Boy Soap, which is Boy Soap, Girl Soap now. And um, it was at, there's a bunch of houses around the nation, even even around the world now. It's, it's a worldwide program. But um, a nun uh, lived in the house and took care of eight boys and uh, Sister Francis. And um, so I was lucky to get out of my situation and get accepted in a boy. So, I mean, it was a special program. It allowed me to go to good school, Jesuit High School down in New Orleans, because um, I was really headed nowhere. But, you know, what the best thing about boys so good for me, gave me tough love. And uh, I really needed that at that time. You know, Sister Francis was like, hey, you can go this way or you can go that way. You know, if, if you listen to me and you go this way, you can make something out of your life. If you don't want to, well, you know, <laughs> too bad. It was like that, and but I needed that. And um, But the Jesuit uh, priest, Sister Francis, who basically like my mom, she's still still alive, lives up in uh, St. Louis. Um, they showed me a really good, good path of life and what I needed to be doing. And I picked football back up. And uh, so I'm very passionate about football because I was an angry little kid and I could take some of that anger out, you know, on the field. And uh, so I really just love football. I'm going to start playing that again in eighth grade at Jesuit. And uh, so towards the end of my high school career there, uh, I started going pretty well, uh, won a lot of, you know, individual awards and with some pretty decent teams there. And um, But I wasn't the, like, the biggest, strongest, fastest middle linebacker. Um, so I had two Division One A offers. It was Southern Miss. And Texas Tech, by the time I was my senior year, and Texas Tech back then is not the tech you know now. They were kind of not eh, really that good in the early mid nineties. And um, in Southern Miss, they just had those teams of Brett Favre. You know, they beat Florida State not too long ago. And um, my, after my senior year in '92, it did Jesuit. And um, so Southern Miss had a great vibe in New Orleans. What was going on? Beating Alabama, Auburn. I mean, it was just giant killers. You know, if you didn't go to, you didn't get an SEC scholarship, you, you went to Southern Miss, and that's what was so cool about that back then. And um, so I, I was really excited when, when they offered me uh, the scholarship and I signed on. And, and what I loved about Southern Miss so much, and I still do to this day, is just that blue-collar feel. You know, it's, it's um, you know, we're the third school in the state. How SEC teams look at us, let's be honest. You know, Ole Miss State and us. And, uh, but, but, you know, you say you need to work harder and, and just have that chip on your shoulder to really make a name for yourself. And uh, that's kind of how my life was, I felt. So I really fit in well with Southern Miss. And um, just just enjoyed the heck out of it. So that's kind of getting a little bit into my childhood and how I got to Southern Miss and why you can see on even my Instagram page how much <laughs> Southern Miss stuff I have. I'm just very passionate about about uh, the Golden Eagles, and it's just so much fun having my son uh, be a part of that. And he just loves being at the Rock. He loves it. What was it like playing for Jeff Bauer? Uh, well, Jeff, and that's one thing I like about Coach Hobson right now. He's kind of the same mold of Jeff Bauer. I mean, just a, you know, blue collar guy, um, when it's time to, you know, hug, hug it out, you know, I got you back when it's time to be tough and, and do what you have to do to be a good, uh, football player, good, good person in life. You know, he showed you that way too. And, uh, but he, he's just such a special guy. I mean, anybody that knows Southern Miss loves Coach Bauer and, and, you know, getting that 97 season when his daughter died, I mean, in the way he, he still did his job and, 
you know, treated us like family and knew how much we loved him and cared about him after, after that uh, horrible time in his life, you know, um, I mean, he, he's, he's an awesome man. I mean, he, they, they don't make him every day. You redshirted your first year at USM. Sophomore year, you start to make your mark, 66 tackles, or excuse me, your freshman year, uh, eight tackles for loss, one sack, one interception, three fumble recoveries. Pretty good for a freshman year, but that season kicked off a span of, I believe, 18 winning seasons, and it all came down to that final game in your home state against Louisiana State. What was that game like for you? Oh, my goodness. Well, I mean, when I was growing up, I mean, I obviously bled purple and gold just like a lot of kids who like football in, in Louisiana do. And, um, I mean, just when I saw it on the schedule, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. We're going to Tiger Stadium on Saturday night. And um, and then to win the game, <laughs> too. And uh, at the end, I've got a picture of me planting the uh, Southern Miss flag in the United Tiger, <laughs> which, uh, which I know a lot of jealousy people know about that give me a hard time. But, I mean, that, that night, oh, goodness gracious, just the Southern Miss fans in the end zone that stayed. I mean, we were just partying in the end zone. I, I think the security finally had to kick us all out. <laughs> uh, it, it was just such a special night, man. And, you know, that gave us a winning season that year, 6-5, and five, which started the string of 18 straight, like you said, of winning seasons. Your sophomore year, you, you crack into the starting lineup. Uh, the first game at home at the Ruck, I remember this game well. We're taking on Northern Illinois. It was a packed house. It was a sellout game. What was that atmosphere like at the Rock? Yeah, and actually, I had some starts my freshman year, too. So I was going back and forth with Cedric Walthall. He was a heck of a linebacker. Oh, yeah. But then my sophomore year, I outright beat him out. And uh, But, yeah, that uh, that Northern Illinois game, they kept talking about sellout 95. And, you know, we had good crowds. I mean, for Southern Miss fans, you know, you're 20, you know, here and there, you know, but never really sold it out. And I remember coming out and just the guys were almost floored. Like, dude, the, the corners, you know, the top corners that we can never fill <laughs> on both sides. I mean, it, it was just people on top of people. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is nuts. It, it was just, it was electric atmosphere. We beat the mess out of Northern Illinois that, that night too. And man, I, I'll never forget that one. Sellout 95. The following week, in my opinion, one of the biggest robberies in college football history. Southern Miss taking on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Number 13 ranked Crimson Tide Golden Eagles pretty much dominate the game and, uh, kind of a, a shady, Last second play where somebody gets bumped off or pushed, and yeah. it, which is typical in Tuscaloosa or Birmingham in this case. Uh, fall to the Crimson Tide. What was that game like uh, for the Golden Eagles? Oh man, probably the hardest I've cried after a football game was that game. Uh, maybe one other they'll make it into, but um, I mean we had them beat, man. <laughs> you know it's fourth and long. They just throw the ball up for grabs and. I mean, Patrick Sertan, one of the best cornerbacks ever at Southern Miss, one of the best the NFL even had for a while there, uh, just got turned around, man. And they threw the ball up for grabs, caught, I think it was Todrick Malone, am I wrong, caught that pass? And I believe so, yeah. Got the, yeah, got in the end zone and scored. And, I mean, that's the loudest I've ever heard of stadium. I, I just remember it was, it was numbing the Bama fans. And they pull it off, and, geez, I mean, we were just – it was hard to stand up. I mean, it made my knees buckle when we lost that game because we – we had them. We, we, we were the better team that day. Oh, well, let's just you had to move on to the next one. But that, that was Barton. The, the tied for the worst loss while well, I was at Southern Miss, that, that one. And there'll be another one that was actually a 95 season as well. <laughs> and it, it still hurts. Well, later that season, you get to uh, – you, Eagles are 3-3, three and three, taking on the Louisville Cardinals. Close game there at the end. Uh 
Golden Eagles take the lead 25-21. You create a turnover to seal the victories for the Golden Eagles on the last drive of the game. Yeah, that was cool because Louisville, I love beating Louisville. I mean, we, we really dominated them when I was there. And they always had that vibe of, I just always found that, that you know, we're too good for conference USA. We're Louisville. I, I don't know. This is one of those, one of those teams and their, their players even kind of real cocky as well. And they, they were fun to play and beat. I mean, constantly when I had that last play since the game, that, that was pretty awesome. I think Coach about Coach Thompson almost killed me though because I did a little bit too much celebrating in front of their bench. But oh well. <laughs> you mentioned Coach Thompson. What was it like playing in his organized chaos defense? Oh goodness, he really installed that organized chaos in '96. Uh, but he he's he was just nonstop, ready to go. You know, always on you. You know, but loved me to death as a person. I love him to death too. We talk all the time and. But just a father figure, mentor, um, you know, some of the stuff I had going on, going on in my life, just from a childhood, every now and then, you know, I'd have some tough days and he, he was just, he put football aside and just cared about me as a person. So I'll never forget that. And, um, but he, he was a hell of a coach, man. Just X's and O's. I mean, he knew it inside and out. What was the other game you were talking about in 95? East Carolina, man. Uh. So 96 was like, yeah, when we, Conference USA started, but 95, we had the Liberty Bowl Alliance, if you remember. Yeah. And, um, I mean, pe- people now, you know, the young generation, let's be honest, they don't get how big it was to go to a bowl, whether it was the Liberty Bowl or the Sugar Bowl. It was just a big deal because a bowl attendee, especially in our you know, neck of the woods, non-SEC team, that means you won a championship or you, you, know, you won the Liberty Bowl Alliance or what have you because only one team went. It wasn't like, you know, if you have a winning record, you go to a bowl, you're six and six, and five and seven, you go to a bowl. Back then, a bowl was a big deal. So East Carolina came to town and they were solid back then. And, um, but we had them beat and they were, they were lining up for a field goal at the end. It was a long field goal, about a 50 yarder. And, uh, and for whatever reason, we weren't looking for the fake and they faked it. And, um, they kind of threw the ball up the way the fake went down and we passed in the field. The guy just ran over him down the field. So that moved them a little bit closer. And then they kicked the game winning field goal to win the game. And I mean, geez, that cost us the Liberty Bowl in 95. And, um, uh, that, that was oh, that, that loss may have been worse than Alabama when I really think about it, just because it was a bowl. We knew that yeah. was it. We, that that hurt. You know, that was bad. Like I said, that going to a bowl then was huge, huge. Yeah. So when I think about Marshank Kenny, you know, I, I kept up with the team back then, but the next season, that first game, is when you really stood out. Was when people really started taking notice of who you were and when you really stood out. And that defense, that may have been one of the best defensive performances in Southern Miss history. When the Golden Eagles took the game in the hedges, 1996, against the Georgia Bulldogs, winning 11-7. to Man, what was so awesome about that, getting into John Thompson. Um, I mean, that's, that's, that's where you say defense wins championships because he went – and toured all over the country with his coaching staff, learning all these new topics of blitzing schemes and what have you, and making sure that the personnel we had fit with the scheme we wanted to put in. And so we go to Georgia, and they had, they had never really seen anything like this. And this is probably one of the most fun games I've ever had because their offensive line, their quarterback, didn't have a clue what we were doing. They, we, they were confused. <laughs> the quarterback was confused. Um, it, it was just fun. Every time we go on the, it, it was one of those, you know, sidelines, 
God, I want to go back in. I just want to go back in. You don't know, you don't know what the hell is going on. It's just fun. I mean, we were blitzing from all angles. We some some places and the linemen down. You know, it's just a lot of new stuff people hadn't seen. And um, I mean, the final score just was uh, kind of summarized when I'm saying eleven to seven. It was just a defensive, you know, show. It should have been eleven to nothing, but oh well. We uh, just, that's just what it was. But that was fun, man. It's one of those defensive days, and I think we clinched the game with. Perry Phoenix at the end, batting down a pass. Um, I mean, they had a good team too. Robert Everett, Times Ward yeah. was on that team, and uh, they didn't—they didn't have a clue what we were doing. And that, that was—that was a huge highlight. No, I, I contribute. And I talk to John Thompson all the time, and I contribute that win to him, and he knows that because uh, the scheme won that game. Man, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> Say something else might have won the game, but the scheme of that defense won that game. Golden Eagles. Uh... You know, they, they get going into the season that year, and about halfway through the season, right there kind of middle towards the end, Golden Eagles get ranked for the first time in several years, 24th in the country. What did that mean to the team, and what did that mean to you? That was huge. I mean, because, you know, we're in the middle of SEC country and getting recognized as a top 25 team, um, you know, with the win over Georgia under our belts. I mean, we were just really feeling good at that time. And that's when I started looking around. I'm like, man, we got some talented guys here. Um, especially on defense. I mean, it was just like, golly, I'm, I'm really a part of a good time with Southern Miss football. Um, this, and then we, we went on a little bit of roll there. I mean, we won several games in a row and, um, and then maybe you know, <laughs> I know I said East Carolina and Alabama the year before, but you probably know what game I'm talking about. That I try to forget. Maybe that's why I didn't bring it up. But <laughs> yeah, maybe the, the maybe the game that Trump even knows to for heartbreaks later that season. Um, but <laughs> but yeah, we we were it was awesome being ranked for a long time during that during that year. Well, the game there towards the end of the year, uh, Golden <laughs> Eagles take on the Houston Cougars. Uh, coming up short. An extended ending, so to speak, falling, I mean, just a yard short, if I'm not mistaken, 56 to 49 to the Houston Cougars, uh, even with the loss, ended up being a co-championship, but that had to be a heartbreaker for everybody. That was terrible because defense had really shown up all year. I mean, we weren't giving up any points, much at all, yards, and then we just ran into a machine that day. Antoine Smith, their running back, I mean, probably the best running back I've ever been against. He, he was just, we didn't know, but he just... <laughs> I don't know. They, they couldn't stop him, man. And um, our, our offense was really showing up to Day Lee and Kendrick Lee Roberts. Kendrick Lee had a great offense showing up, but every time we went on the field, man, they were just they were slicing and dicing through us. So, but one of them days just wasn't our night. Probably your best year from an individual statistic standpoint. You're a Connerly Trophy finalist, first team All Conference USA, 141 tackles. I'm surprised you don't have all the. C-E-T-T-E doctors coming after you on that one. Uh, 17 tackles for loss, three sacks, two fumble recoveries, one interception. So, like I said, a tremendous year, especially, you know, statistic-wise. Yeah, that, that was a lot of fun. Just being a part of that defense and, and shining a little bit, you know, really made me feel good about where I was headed and where we're all headed. But, um, I mean, just the, the company around me was just so awesome, man. I mean, um, maybe freed me up a lot to make plays that year. Um, I mean, we had Jeff Posey. He's AD. I mean, just some of the guys that are starting to come up there. Oh, goodness gracious, you know. Well, heading into that 1997 season, so you, like you said, you, you get the co-championship, but kind of a bittersweet taste in your mouth on that. And and couldn't and couldn't get to a bowl, but now you'd be in a bowl. <laughs> yeah, right. The camp went. I was in at something. Just I don't know. Yeah, you would have been a bowl all four years, pretty all much. All four years easily. So, but no, oh, well. 
But the theme for that, <laughs> the theme for that 97 season was unfinished business. Tell us about, uh, the whole unfinished business, uh, deal. <laughs> well, well, when the 97 schedule came out, I mean, we, we had some big games up there on the schedule. I mean, we had at Alabama, at Florida, at Tennessee, we had Peyton Manning, Tennessee. I mean, huge games. But, you know, when we circled the calendar, it was Houston towards the end of the season. Um, so the unfinished business theme was loaded for the team. You know, everybody knew what it meant from the outside, but it was kind of like, let's get Houston. We're, we got to basically everybody coming back. I mean, we're, we're, we're going to be a really good football team. We knew it. And um, so it was all about winning Conference USA, but taking care of Houston. <laughs> it really, that was kind of the big thing on, on that year. And that was a team with just ridiculous talent, you know, both sides of the ball, but specifically on defense. No, I mean, the 11 starters, I mean, 10 of us either got drafted or were free agents in the NFL on that team. I mean, that's, that's how talented it was silly to say, when I say it like that. Um, and the one guy who didn't, Latrell Pollard, it doesn't make any sense to me. He was a stud. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you, you're more talented than me. You should be in the NFL, man. So, but, um, yeah, that, goodness gracious. Anybody says we had the best defense ever at Southern Miss, I, I, I put 97 up in period. <laughs> Just talent by. Absolutely. Well, you, you had, um, a couple of losses early to some pretty good teams, Alabama, Florida, but the team kind of started to rally there mid-season. Tell us a little bit about that mid-season push in 97. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Florida was the defending national champions. We opened up with them on a primetime game and, and played really well, just didn't get enough offense showing. I mean, no excuses, but really, it's not a typical Alabama game, low-scoring affair, you know, more or less, and we were hanging in there and couldn't pull it out. Uh beat Illinois early in the year on, on national TV, which was really cool. Um, but yeah, we, we just, we had a couple team meetings there. And we're like, man, we should be doing better. You know, um, this, this just doesn't, doesn't make sense. You know, our, I think we were two and two at the time. And, um, and I, I really, you know, just fire on us. We were not happy with being two and two, you know, even though the losses were to some really good teams on the road, Florida and Bama. Um, we just conference USA was coming up and that was the unfinished business theme to win the conference and get to Houston and beat and beat them at home. And, um, it just it lit a fire in us once conference play started going because we knew last prior season we were the best team in the conference, but didn't, didn't get it. And you mentioned earlier, you know, when Christian Bauer passed away, did that kind of change the motivation and focus for the team that year? Yeah, that too, as well, because it was right around that two and two, uh, time. I think Nevada game was that when we went to two, two and two, but right around there, yeah, that obviously, you know, not talking football, that kickstarted us probably from an emotional uh, team, you know, let's do it for coach Bauer standpoint as well, you know, forget our personal goals, our team goals, you know, let's, let's just do it for coach Bauer. And uh, cause we all love them half to death, you know, I mean, and um, just what had happened to him and the way he stood by us and, and did, really didn't miss a beat with us. You know, um, we, we had to be there for him. And, yeah, that, that obviously springboard a lot of emotion for us to do better. The team gets to the year. You get to that Houston game. And it was, the elements were miserable. I think it was raining. It was misty. Yeah. It was just it was nasty. Was, yeah. <laughs> but I think, like, with the rules they have now in the NFL, we might not have won that game <laughs> without <laughs> everybody was trying to take somebody's head off. But gold. Golden Eagles came out there and won 33 to nothing. I mean, that's funny you say that because the hardest hit I've ever seen on a football field that I was a part of 
was a swing pass <laughs> a Houston receiver and Patrick Sertan came up. Patrick would have been thrown out the game nowadays and, and suspended for the rest of the season. But that's a, it's a different day and age, you know, football back then, you know, but I mean, the guy's helmet went one way, some of his teeth went the other way. And I mean, that's just kind of, that was the tone of that game though. That's, that's how bad we wanted to beat Houston. <laughs> I mean, and we beat them 33 to nothing. Could have been worse. I mean, it was just such a, awful day it's kind of sloppy conditions but uh yeah i mean the hitting going on in that game and the smack talk in that game geez. i don't even know some of the stuff that spewed out of my mouth at the players, <laughs> but but oh well but we, we just it was fun just owning houston that day literally the final game of the season that year was uh in memphis against the memphis tigers did you guys feel like you were kind of going up there and staking claim to the liberty bowl that was going to be yours yeah, it was kind of cool. We had already clinched the Liberty Bowl bid prior week at Houston, got the, you know got the acceptance from the commissioner and what have you. And uh, yeah, it was kind of cool. Like, man, we're we're gonna be back here and uh, playing playing Memphis in the last game of the season. And we destroyed Memphis that, that day. And uh, but yeah, it was, was kind of just a springboard to bigger and better things that were gonna come. And in uh, that Liberty Bowl coming up, that's that was just it was so special, man. Because like I said, just a, I guess the younger generation can't really grasp just how big it was to be in a bowl. I mean, it just, you know, even far from those guys in the all American bowl, that was a big deal. You know I mean? That's, it's just, bowl, there weren't as many bowl games. You got a bowl bid. You, you had a good, good year and people recognized it. And heading to that Liberty bowl, what, what did it mean to you to get to play in that Liberty bowl? That was just the culmination of all the hard work, all the sacrifice, everything that I had been through. It was, it had just, it was just perfect ending to a, a, a I hate to say a perfect career, but man, you know, a slower, not the most athletic guy, you know, to, to have that much success in football and the, the close it off with the Liberty Bowl being the conference, you say champs. And, and I just remember the hype leading up to that. There was about a month or so from the last game to that game, give or take. And uh, just all the hype around Hattiesburg. I mean, like, man, everybody's going to, to Memphis from uh, South Mississippi. It felt like almost half the state. It felt like it's all people were talking about. It was and, and there was a vibe there. We could have played Ole Miss, but Pittsburgh came on at the end of their season and won a bunch of games and, and uh, clinched that bid. But I know they were trying to work to make it Ole Miss, Southern Miss, and that really would have been pretty awesome. But And, you know, people t- make excuses for not going, oh, the, you know, but that was one of the coldest games I've ever been to. <laughs> well, yeah, because, uh, I mean, we beat the mess out of Pitt, and so they took the starters out in the third quarter. And so all that sweat and that adrenaline starts wearing down. And I, we remember that. I mean, it was ballistic cold. <laughs> you know, you're wet. And, uh, I mean, we we're all just huddling, you know, trying to be cool, but just huddling next to your friend, like, get closer, man. I'm freezing. <laughs> and and the Golden Eagle fans, I mean, they always wondered, okay, how's the Southern Miss fans going to show up when you get to a bowl game? And vastly outnumbered the Pitt fans. I mean, half the stadium was – Black and gold, and not navy and gold, and whatever whatever Pitt's colors were. But uh, it was really a great showing from the Southern Miss faithful. Man, I came out with team captains before the rest of the team came out, and I just remember looking up in the stands. And you remember me? I was kind of high energy guy. Man, I mean, I, I was I was just taken aback that that many people came to see us on New Year's Eve, a holiday time, and uh, I mean, it was it was half the stadium was full of black and full. A black and gold, and uh, it was just so cool getting the crowd pumped pregame, and they were just coming out the stadium, just so excited. And 
man, that was awesome. And um, when the team came out, I mean, there was just no shot of Pitt beating us that day. But, and when I think about, you know, Marshant Kenny, of course, from this game, and I think you know where I'm going with this. I think about the end of the game, ESPN cameras are coming over there, and you get on there, not so fast, my friend, talking to Lee Corso, classic. Yeah. Early in the day, yeah, Lee Corso and the crew, Lee picks uh, Pitt to beat us. I'm like, all right, all right. And then so you had a camera somehow. I found it. I don't know how, but, but I ran over the camera and then, uh, Hey, Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend, or whatever. And, yeah, a lot of people do remember that. That's funny. So, and uh, I showed that to my son. He gets a kick out of it. That's great. Do you uh, do you have the Liberty Bowl print? Do you have a copy of that at the house? I, I do, yeah, at the house here. And uh, it's always a special. I was talking to Perry Phoenix the other day about that. And he was actually sitting in his office and talking about that and just that time. And, yeah, when they made the print, too, I was like, wow, this really was a big deal. What did it mean to you to wear the black and gold? It, it just what what I what I love about Southern Miss, not to be redundant with kind of what I said earlier, but it, it's just it's that blue chip feel. It's that you know you're this this school in the middle of SEC country, yet you succeeded for so long on the, on the football field, and you know the cards are stacked against you, but you don't care because you've got that chip on your shoulder and you are just, you're going to make it happen. And that's really what I love about coach hop right now. And, and what he's instilling in, in Southern Miss, cause he really gets it. Uh, he gets the vibe. He, he gets what Southern Miss is all about. It's just about, you know, that me against the world mentality and win or lose, you're, you're going to get my best. Following your time at Southern Miss, you spent some time uh, playing pro football. Tell us a little bit about your time uh, with the Cardinals and with the Scottish Claymores. Yeah, so I had a undrafted free agent with the Arizona Cardinals, which was great. Lasted a couple of weeks in the season on temporary injury reserve, banged up my knee a little bit, but I got the experience in, of the NFL. But probably the coolest thing of that season uh, was that I, Pat Tillman was in the same rookie class as me, oh, so I got wow. to know Pat. Yeah, so that was really cool because looking back on obviously what he stood for, what he did for his country, um, he was that guy. I mean, he he was he's a guy. You know, we're all out hitting the town or whatever. <laughs> Uh, he's, he's reading books, you know, he, he's just a deep, high energy, awesome, awesome guy. And, um, so that, that's, that, that was the highlight of that. Uh, so after that ended, I came back to Hattiesburg, interned at WDA on TV for a little bit with old Mitch Williams. And, uh, and then, but I still wanted to chase football. So I actually had a chance with the Mississippi pride. If you remember that, yeah, the regional football league. See, I played there for a little bit, but towards the end of that season, I had an agent. He called me. He's like, "Hey, man, you want to get the NFL Europe? They want you." And Scott is claiming something. Like, yeah, absolutely. So I uh, flew out to Glasgow, and that experience was just unbelievable, man. Um, the, the the great thing of the Scottish claim was was each it's six teams in in, uh, in the NFL Europe, and each each team had seven national players. So the, the Scottish nationals on our team they were, they were just classic. They were awesome guys. They just loved everything American and everything football. And uh, with that accent, dude, just made some really good friends over there. And uh, like with the most surreal feeling, like I'm pretty sure I've ever had in my life, was obviously football was a huge part of my life. I mean, saved my life in some some ways too, to be honest. Coaches and what have you that, that guided me along my way. But the last game of the season, we're in Amsterdam, and um, so the game ends, and I I could have played arena ball, I could, you know, but I just said I wouldn't feel it anymore. And the NFL teams weren't calling me anymore, so I said. I'm, this is it, but I'm walking off a field in Amsterdam and <clears throat> just looking around the stadium and it was just 
like, wow, 20 years of your life, whatever, football, not 20, whatever, at that point, 15. You know, this is it, man. You're in Europe. I'm walking off the stadium. And I walked out the stadium, took a look back. and That's it, man. And, and that's what's tough about football, to be frank. You know, I tell this to basketball, tennis players, you know, whatever, all these other sports. I mean, man, you know, you can get five-on-five basketball whenever you want, man. You can, you know, go one-on-one tennis. You can All these other sports, you can do this all the time, man. I can't get 22 guys to strap it up and just, you know, and go play on weekends. And that's what's that's the hard part of football and it, it's over. It, it is over. And it, it never ends on your terms. Very rarely does it end on your terms. Yep. Yeah. I still wanted to play, but you know, I, I just didn't want to chase the dream forever. And, you know, I don't know, late thirties, being in the arena league, I, I don't know. I just, I decided to get on my, going on with my career and go back to old Mitch Williams at WDM TV and do some sports casting, so, which I loved. I remember when you were at WDM and I sent you that video last week of uh, Seymour's national video I yeah, think, from 2001. But I remember we were doing that and, and it was like you were recording a segment and we were holding the mic and you were like, oh, this is not professional. And you just took it back and started doing it, <laughs> doing it again. <laughs> so we were cracking up awesome. about that. But, um, now did you go, did you do sports casting in Houston at one point? Uh, no. So what happened was I, I did three years at WDAM. I was the number two Mitch Williams sports director. And um, I had an opportunity to go to Des Moines, Iowa, an ABC affiliate, but it just wasn't quite the money I was looking for to move that far. And uh, But no, I, after WDAM, I had an opportunity to move out to Texas and uh, for pharmaceutical sales. So right after WDAM, that was it. And uh, I started my sales career. And then I lived in Houston, though, for a while, like five years. So I guess it would have been like 2003. I was sitting in my car, and um, Southern Miss was playing on ESPN that night. I think it may it was either Nebraska or UAB. I can't remember. But I'm homesick. I'm in I'm in Lake Forest, Illinois. I'm driving to KFC to get some lunch, and I'm listening nice. to Jim Rome and Patrick Sertain's on, and they're like, "Oh, he's got nice. a, he's got a call," and it's like, "Guys, this is, Mar- oh, this is your old teammate, Marsha Kitty." <laughs> I was so excited just to hear somebody Southern Miss. I was like, oh, man, I mean, I'm going to get some chicken. I forgot, and- <laughs> dude, I forgot about that. You, I literally forgot about that. That's hilarious because he still loves you, man. You made my, you made my day, Marshan, with that call. And that, uh, oh, dude. Yeah. I, I remember I couldn't believe I'm actually getting through. This is nuts. Yeah. Yeah, that <laughs> well, was great. I forgot about that. Great memory. Well, fast forward, 2009, you get in, inducted into the M Club Hall of Fame. What did being inducted into the Hall of Fame mean to you? Well, I mean, just on a humble note, I mean, the talent that I was involved with, you know, on, on those defenses, for me to be, you know, I think the first guy off of those, or one of the first guys of that defense in the Hall of Fame, I mean, and, and Lee Roberts was in, in that night as well. I mean, I, I was just, I was overwhelmed, that, you know, to get that kind of recognition. I mean, I think I'd be in an athletic Hall of Fame one day, you know, but such Division 1A1, I mean, that, that, that was just an unbelievable night. And the way they did it, John Cox did like a one-on-one interview type instead of me giving a speech. I mean, it was really cool. And just seeing a lot of friendly faces, Southern Miss fans that are there thick and thin, you know. I, mean, I, I just love Southern Miss fans. I can't get enough of them. They, I mean, you know, even the games when it's November and a lot of people are out hunting, you know, even, you know, stadium's not that full, but the people that are there just want to be there. And then, you know, and that's, that's the fans that just I, I adore, you know, and, and I saw a lot of those faces that night and for them to come out and see me be recognized like that. We had a, it was a big old, big old function. They had hundreds of people there. It was, it was a blast. 
Well, last year they did the uh, 1997 reunion, and they had a reunion for for you guys on the team, and then the guys wore the wore the throwback jerseys. What was that like? Yeah, that was cool. They showed some respect for us, and I remember ESPN that they showed the best unis of the day, and they had they showed uh, the Southern Miss unis too that day, and they, they really looked good. Call me a call me a homer you know, <laughs> back from the 90s, but I, that hey that that uh. That old gold with that black, I mean, that's clean, man. When they came out like that, I'm sorry. That's that's my favorite uni. And, uh, you know, nothing gets what they got going on nowadays. It's, it's a clean look. Adidas needs to take note of that. And um, <laughs> uh, that was a fun day. Caught up with a lot of people. John Thompson came. Uh, TJ Slaughter. I talked to my man TJ for a long time. And, uh, a lot of the crew was there. So it was, um, it was a really awesome day to get recognized. And, you know, a lot of people still remember that team as – I think Coach Byer says it's the best one he's coached. Uh, and and I don't think there were too many that were in play and shape either. <laughs> I know I've lost some weight. So I couldn't play middle linebacker. I'd be like a slot receiver now or something. Like <laughs> but uh, no, but if some of the cats, I'm like, dang, man, you, you, know, you could do a little face cream or something. <laughs> you know, guys killing each other is what we do. Well, hey, Marshan, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. Do, do you have any final words for the Southern Miss fans out there? Just keep supporting. Uh, please do so. I mean, Jay Hobson's got this thing rolling along now. I mean, um, you know, I think we're going to be at the top of Conference USA now. And, and just I, I appreciate every Southern Miss fan that supports the university and supported everything I ever did back in my day. And, you know, appreciate you guys, too, for what you do and to be so passionate. Uh, you guys put a smile on my face. We're Instagram buds now, like everything you guys put up. So you got you got another follower. <laughs> That was Marshant Kenny. What a treat. What a legend, Jason. Yeah, well, you know, right when I got to Southern Miss, he was the guy, right? I arrived at Southern Miss in 1997, and um, and this guy was, was just – what I remember from him anyway was just he was an absolute tackling machine. He was everywhere. He was kind of the beginning of that Southern Miss linebacker core that we would have for like the next 15 years or so, um, just a dominant middle back. And you know he's like my own personal superhero, <laughs> so uh, so yeah, it was great to it was great for him to come by. I wish I could have spent just a little bit more time with him. Um, and then you know he ended up like sitting next to us in the stands, which I saw him like halfway through, and just tried not to embarrass myself. But uh, great to see him out, and um, and I, hopefully we'll see him some more this season. You know, guys like him, guys like Carr, I mean, there's plenty of guys from that era, from our era when we were in college, they just have this swag about them, about what Southern Miss is and what Southern Miss should be. And, you know, you every, they still have that anyone, anywhere, anytime mentality. They don't care. They don't look up at anybody. You know, they, they're just, they're just Southern Miss people and, Sometimes you don't get that same swagger, not necessarily from players, but from the younger fans that that weren't around for those eras where we went in there and we hit teams in the mouth. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, there's definitely something to be said for that, and I think that's where we come in, man. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I mean, we, we have to we have to let people know. Um, and, and I'm not I'm not clowning on younger fans. It's just no. like if you were around in that late '90s era, you just have a different mentality about you. Yeah, uh, the Rock was in t- an intimidating place to come play, and I think we're inching our way back towards that. Um, th- there was a time where I couldn't imagine Southern Miss losing two games in a, in a row. Right. Honestly, I, j- I just didn't think it was possible. 
Um, there's years where we only had four home games, right? That was totally cool with us because we would go on the road and, and, and literally the anyone, anywhere, anytime thing started. Well, and two, I mean, losing a conference game, I couldn't fathom it. No. Well, let's move on. Let's talk about the game coming up this weekend. The 1-0 Southern Miss Golden Eagles taking on the 1-0 University of Louisiana Monroe Warhawks at Saturday, September 8th at 6 p.m. at M.M. Roberts Stadium, a.k.a. The Rock. That game will air on ESPN3. Uh, the line in that game, I think it, I believe it opened either at a seven and a half or a six. But last I saw, as of this recording, it was down to a five and a half, which really doesn't make sense to me. But, uh, you know, don't bet with your heart. That, that line seems a little strange. Like I don't, I would have thought we'd be a little more of a favorite than that. Okay. It's down to a five right now. <laughs> so, so money is being put on Louisiana Monroe. Uh, hey, more the merrier. Yeah, uh, I don't know a lot about ULM. I remember the game from last year. I know that we kind of dominated um, the stats. And then, like we were talking about off the air, you reminded me that we took a knee with like a minute 40 to go on like the six-inch line. So it could have been a little bit worse, and that was at their place. Um, uh, it's It's got to still be like the unknown that we have at quarterback. And maybe like we just played a practice game or something like that. Or maybe I'm totally underestimating what ULM has. But – uh, let me ask you this. Would you feel better about it if we were like a 26-point favorite? No, I couldn't see it. Being, I think 26 would be a little bit of a stretch at this point, but I also think 5 or 6 is a stretch. I mean, I think that ULM should be a better team than they were last year, but, you know, and you can't always judge teams off of how they do against certain competition because they could come. Like last year, UAB lost to Charlotte, and then they turned around and just hit us in the mouth. So you don't, mm-hmm. you can't really necessarily judge that. That being said, they barely snuck by southeastern Louisiana and went in the game 34 to 31. And last year's game, um, you know, they statistically, I think they, you know, they won in some of the areas, but for the most part, that's a game we dominated. I mean, the final score is 28 to 17. You take a knee right there at the end, or that's, or that would turn into a 20 point game. Um, Edo, Absolutely went off in that game. Ito was, Ito had was, had 219 yards rushing on 27 carries, uh, and that was the first 200 yard game of his career. He also scored what? Also had a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Griggs, Griggs threw three touchdowns. Uh, on the flip side of that, uh, ULM put up a lot of yards, uh, 554 yards on the game. Um, you know, I remember that I remember them having some success running the ball. So, I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens, but I I would think that we would have a pretty good shot at covering given what we saw last week and given how ULM played against Southeastern Louisiana. Well, the one guy we're going to have to look out for is Caleb Evans, their quarterback, looking at his stats from game number 1 against Southeastern. He was 35 of 53 uh for 346 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. And then you look at rushing, and Caleb Evans was also 13 uh, attempts for 62 yards and one TD. So this is kind of like a one-man wrecking crew. They also had a a running back, Derek Gore, uh, eclipse the 100-yard mark on 21 rushes uh, for 104 yards and a score. So um, 
we got a dual threat guy coming in. And I'd like to think maybe that that's where the strength of our linebacking core would would be able to flourish, wouldn't you think? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and this is, you know, with the type of offense Jackson State played, we had a lot of DBs on the field last week. I think this week you'll get to see a little more of what this Southern Miss defense is going to be made of this year. So I fully expect that the defense – I fully expect for the defense to be tested, but I fully expect for them to deliver as well. So I think it's going to be – I mean, heck, anytime I can watch Southern Miss play, it's going to be a great day of football. I don't care who we're playing, but um, especially this weekend, I think there's still a lot of questions that, that need to be answered, and I think that I, I think that that we can answer them. One thing we got to think about right now is getting practices in this week. We have this storm coming in. I know it's supposed to be just a wham bam, thank you, ma'am, and get out of here. But what if it is like turns into like the just the tropical depression kind of sitting on top of us? That's where that indoor facility would come in pretty handy, uh, which we don't have. So um, let's hope this thing just gets in here and gets out of here just from just from a football practice perspective. Uh, that would be great if we could practice. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about a little bit about some of the activities going on with this game. All right. So this is from the notes. So go to the southernmiss.com. You can see this game color. All fans are encouraged to wear gold for the game. You show up first, but if you have the means, please wear your gold. It's also going to be all South Marching Band Day. High school students are invited to spend the day with the Pride of Mississippi Marching Band. I believe they go on and march on the field at halftime, get to perform a little bit as well. Uh, Coach Bobby Collins reunion. They're going to bring back Coach Bobby Collins. They're going to have all kind of activities going on with that, a fish fry. So be sure you go check out what's going on with that at southernmiss.com. Medical appreciation, medical groups are going to receive discounted tickets and special group offers, ADP partnership appreciation, varsity cheer day. They're going to have a, a pregame clinic and a performance pregame on the field, uh, extra yard for for teachers. They're going to recognize teachers across South Mississippi during the game and have discounted teachers available. But the really neat thing for this game, if, if there's no other reason you're going to come out, the honorary captains for this game are former teammates of the Green Bay Packers for Southern Miss, Brett Favre, and for the Louisiana Monroe Warhawks, head coach at the Philadelphia Eagles and former Brett Favre backup, Doug Peterson. So for no other reason, that's a great reason to come out to the Rock. If you could care less about the game, uh, get to see – Two football greats in their own right. Uh, it's going to be amazing. I was wondering how in the world they got Doug Peterson to come down for this. I was sure that he would be prepping for game one, but they have the Thursday game, right? Right. They're playing the Falcons. Okay. So I, 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 I was wondering about it, but somebody told me they thought they had the Thursday game. So that makes total sense. And and um, it's really cool that he like just won the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so he's kind of fresh on everybody's mind and uh, – Got these two guys who who um who played not that long ago. Um, they're still relevant to young people, old people, everybody, and to have them both on the field at the Rock is gonna be super cool. Okay, I'm and this is just me speculating. I know nothing. I have no idea about these things, but I was thinking about it earlier. So, if you saw uh, on Twitter a while back, Louisiana Monroe tweeted about their jerseys. They kind of look like a throwback jersey for them. I mean, they used to be NLU back in the day, Northeast Louisiana, back when uh, 
Doug played, but they're wearing an all white jersey. It kind of has the uh, an, an older retro look to it. I'm not saying it's a throwback, but if you remember from my interview with John Gilbert, he talked about us having a white uniform, a black uniform, a gold uniform, as well as a possible alternate uniform. Mm-hmm. So how cool would it be to have you know for Doug Peterson and Brett Favre have throwback unis, or somewhat throwback unis? For this game where they're both the honorary hmm. captains. I'm not yeah. saying it's going to happen. That's just me speculating. But I remember John dropped that tidbit on the show, and I was thinking about it. I was like, well, if you're going to do it, this would be the game to do it. You know, you have, uh, yeah, whether it's from the Bobby Collins era or whether it's from the Favre era, just something to think about. And we, we just released it, you know, we just saw the New Jersey Saturday night. So, you know. They may want to take some time before they bring out something else like that, but if you're going to do it, this is a great week to do it. Is this one of those things that you can bet on down at the bow? <laughs> you can bet on the hat that the rednecks behind uh, <laughs> <laughs> the rednecks behind Jim Cantori on the beach are wearing. No, I'm kidding. Well, another neat thing to go on with this Far Peterson promo, uh, they have a golden ticket scavenger hunt, and basically what this is is an experience for the fans. This is, this is, and I quote from the press release, a limited number, number of golden tickets will be hidden that fans will have to find. Those that find golden tickets will have the opportunity to meet both stars following the coin toss for a photo and will, will receive a Southern Miss prize pack. Some tickets will be hidden around the Hattiesburg area leading up to the game. The remaining tickets will be hidden inside the stadium for fans to find from when gates open an hour before kickoff until 15 minutes before kickoff. Throughout the week, Southern Miss Athletics will be releasing clues as to where to find the golden tickets. So follow on social media or on this website, southernmiss.com, as we reveal clues to the whereabouts of the golden tickets. You need tickets to Saturday's game to be a part of the action, so get yours here today. And, and you know, they have different stipulations. You can go through and read all those, but you have to have a ticket for these golden tickets to work. So you can't just show up with a golden ticket and hope that all is going to go well. Um, also, you got to get the ticket fairly, and uh, you can't present any safety concerns. So don't get too sloshed before you go in there to the, to the <laughs> game, apparently. But that's a really cool thing. Get the chance to meet and, and, and a photo op with Favre and Peterson. Uh, I'm going to be looking. Very cool. So we just we, if we just pay attention to like the Facebook page, the Twitter uh, feed and I guess Instagram stuff like that. That they're gonna they, when they put out these clues, you're just gonna put them out and then you gotta just get after it right then. Like, hey, Jamie, I think it's at the water tower. Let's go. That's how it's gonna be. Yeah, but you you know don't call me. You better go get it because I'll go okay. get it. If you like, <laughs> hey, it's at the water tower, Jamie. I'll be like, all right, dude, uh, just hold tight. <laughs> cool, uh, man. It's, it's, That's a super neat idea. I'd like to know who came up with that. And if you've keep kept up with Favre on Twitter, he's been blowing it up. I mean, it's been really cool to see what Favre's been doing promoting the university as of late. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you know him? You know, I know his family. I know his wife and his sister-in-law pretty well. But And I've been around him so many times. And, you know... He was, uh, you know, I was across the sideline from him on Monday Night Football that one time, but I've, I've never actually had a sat down and had a conversation with the guy. So he probably has no who I even, you know, I hosted that Last for Life when he came two years ago, but he probably has no idea right. who I am. 
So, uh, no, I've never, I've never actually chatted it up with him, but, uh, you know, I wore the number four in college, you know, very good point. So you're the only other one. Well, you know, the other two from that year, me and John and Amand, but still, um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, uh, I clearly didn't do as I joke about it. Like who wore it better? But yeah, clearly there's a, re- the reason we were wearing the number four Jersey was because of that man. So, <laughs> um, all right. So some connections on the ULM coaching staff. So first off, uh, one of their assistant coaches, John Carr, he was here at Southern Miss from June 2013 through the 2015 season as the director of football operations under Todd Munkin. So um, he's with ULM now. They have a graduate assistant. Get this. They have a graduate assistant, the defensive graduate assistant. His name is Slade Buckley. Do you know who that is? Um, Buckley. Well, Buckley sounds familiar. That is Steve Buckley's son. Okay. Former Golden Eagles assistant coach several times over in current Jones County Junior College head coach. And then also uh, one of their assistant coaches is Perry Carter, played defensive back for Southern Miss back in the day, played for the Arizona Cardinals, among other teams, uh, now on the coaching staff at ULM. He was a great back in his day. Uh, remember him very well. So Perry Carter hmm. for the uh, for ULM coaching staff. Moving along, Golden Eagles in the NFL – the final cuts were made this week. Practices, I mean, rosters were shrunk down. Practice squads were made. There were, what is it, 11 Golden Eagles on rosters, and one of them signed to a practice squad. So, Golden Eagles currently in the NFL. Cornell Armstrong with Miami. Jamie Collins with Cleveland. Austin Davis with Seattle. DeMar Dotson with Tampa Bay. Rashad Hill with Minnesota. Tom Johnson with Seattle. Tavarius Moore with San Francisco. Jalen Richard in Oakland, Ito Smith in Atlanta, Mike Thomas in uh, L.A. with the Rams, Cameron Tom with the Saints, and then Nick Mullins was signed to the San Francisco 49er practice squad. So you've got 11 Golden Eagles on active rosters and 12 if you count Nick on the practice squad. So a, a, a great showing. A lot of these guys held on. There were some questions about a few of them, whether or not they would stick, but uh, more Eagles than expected ended up sticking on gold on NFL roster. So kudos to those guys. And we'll be watching you guys this season. Yep. Getting back to that, getting back to that level of, uh, of talent, you know, that we develop here that goes on to the league. So good to see him stick around. So, so staggers, staggers get cut. Staggers got cut. Yeah. Okay. You know, he was signed late to Washington. Um, he was actually at the game the other day. Huh. Um, but yeah, we had a couple of guys that got cut. I, I, you know, quite a few of them were expected given how they were brought in as undrafted free agents and the like, but, uh, still quite a few stuck. I mean, there were some questions about whether Mike Thomas was going to be retained. There were some questions about Cameron Tom. Um, you know, but these guys stuck. So very proud of them and, and certainly will be pulling for these guys in the NFL this season. Very cool. All right. Let's shut it down. Special thanks to our guest this week. Marshant Kenny. You can't find him on Twitter, I don't think. He's on Instagram though. So look up Marshant Kitty Kenny on Instagram. Check him out. Give him a follow. Always posting a lot of Golden Eagle stuff. That's at that's M A R C H A N T K E N N E Y. You can follow us on Twitter at To the Top Talk. You can follow me at Jamie underscore Arrington. Jason at Bumper J Bailey as on Facebook as well. To the Top Talk is now on Instagram, so be sure you check that out. Upcoming comedy shows, 
Friday, October the 19th. That's the night before homecoming. We have got Hannibal Burris. That's right. Same Hannibal Burris you've seen on all the networks, all the late night shows, all the movies, Spider-Man tag and the like. It's going to be at the Sanger Theater in Hattiesburg. It's the night before homecoming. Uh, tickets are starting to move, so you, you might want to go ahead and, and snatch yours up. Come into town a, a night early for homecoming. Get to see one of the best comedians out working today. Make sure you check him out on YouTube. Make sure he's your speed of comedy before you commit to those tickets. But uh, for those that, that are, it's going to be a great time. He, he's somebody that I always get requests for. This is his fourth time coming to Hattiesburg. He says he's not playing anywhere else in Mississippi. So if you want to check him out in the hospitality state, make sure you check him out at the Sanger Theater on October 19th. Look for To The Top Talk on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Subscribe. Give us a rating and review. Jason's any final thoughts before we get out of here? Yeah, I had a great time last weekend, and we had about 30,000 of us that also had a great time, so that was awesome. Um, so let's, 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 let's try to keep that going. Let's try to keep, you know, around that 30 mark, if not more, for every game at the Rock this season. I think we currently sit at number two uh, in the conference um, for attendance through one game, so let's keep it rolling. All right, guys, we're going to end it a little bit differently this time. It's C- Coach Collins is coming back. We got a little treat for you guys, especially you old timers. And as always, Southern Miss to the top talk. Coach Collins, your winning history has given us a clue. Of what the future holds in store As you lead us right on through The state of Mississippi Will never be the same And when we part the crimson tide You'll stake your claim to fame Coach Collins, squeeze the Charmin If that's what you have to do Lead us on to victory Or squeeze us right on through You've made believers of us all The eagles flying high We all feel you know the way And we'll stick right by your side Winning season every year is an awful big chore to do. But guiding teams to victory is a natural part of you. In 81, when the job is done and you're listening to this song, you'll be grinning from ear to ear as the fans all sing along. Coach Collins, squeeze the Charmin, if that's what you have to do. Lead us on to victory, or squeeze us right on through. You made believers of us all, the eagles flying high. We all feel you know the way, and we'll stick by your side.
There's lots of different coaches Each has his own way They all use different strategies They all use different plays To hear them quote their history They're right and never wrong But the proof is in the pudding And that's why I wrote this song Coach Colin, I wrote this song for you I'm singing from my heart There's something special in your style I've known it from the start Oh, listen up, we won't give up We'll soon be number one We'll be grinning from ear to ear When the football season's done has a strange effect People hold their heads up high You gave us respect You've earned the right to have your name in this little tune All the coaches that you beat are singing the pigskin blues Coach Colin, I wrote this song for you I'm singing from my heart There's something special in your style I've known it from the start Oh, listen up, we won't give up We'll soon be number one We'll be grinning from ear to ear When the football season's done The proof is in the pudding And Coach Colin will lead us on (laughs) 